<laughs> Yo, what is good? Welcome to Counter Currents, episode 90. We're back. I'm your host, Petey Steele. And I'm your host, Elena Torres. Thanks for sticking with us. I know we had a long quarantine hiatus because we all know that shit got a little weird. Uh, so we're back on Zoom. We figured it out. And we have an amazing guest today. Please welcome Jack Thriller. Yo, oh my God, we have you. Jack, you're so sexy, Jack. I want to have your baby. Calm down. <laughs> hey, What's good, my man? What you been doing? Oh, man, um, I had just been uh, uh, staying out the way, uh, trying to uh, um, find corona prefix people on, on um, meet people that don't have coronavirus.com and just chilling. You know, we're watching Netflix, you know, selling yeah. people. Staying alive like the Bee Gees. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you get on one of those sites? Do you have to just sign a waiver? Is it easy as getting, like, a prescription for medical marijuana? Like, just to say, oh, I don't have corona, let's bang, or what? Well, I did this the easiest way for me. I had to start the site up myself. Oh. And, yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> Be a yeah. producer. Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm the president of the company. And, yeah, that's all. The only way you can get in is you just be honest and say, I don't have coronavirus, but I'd like to be part of this uh, community and whatnot. I don't really I don't really know how to check or test people right now, but hey, we'll get to all that later after they figure out what the vaccines are. And uh, as long as we ain't touching nobody, I think that, you know, it's going to be a hit. Yeah. Hey. For now, it's all about trust. Right? Yeah. Social distancing through yeah. the internet, you know? Right. So I think a lot of people are curious now how comedians are feeling since we can't do shows and when are you going to come back? Have you done comedy? What's quarantine comedy been like for you? Man, you know what? I wasn't with all that, uh, that, uh, th those, those, those shows where people were doing online yeah. through the, through the IGs and everything. It's, I, 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 it, I, I watched a couple of them and it was kind of awkward for me. I don't know, yeah. not the hustle and everything, but you know, for uh, another thing too that made it a little difficult for me is just before the uh, pandemic hit, I was on tour with Martin Lawrence. And right. this wow. big break. And <laughs> you know, I, um, after being on stage in front of 20,000 people some nights and 16,000 people, and, and then this happens and people say we're going to do comedy online, man, I, I, I was devastated. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, um, I was appalled. I was shocked. I was in, I felt abandoned and betrayed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, I, 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 I felt like trouble doesn't last always. And uh, um, I, I found out that whenever this thing does go away, we're rescheduling all the shows and stuff. Um, which is 2021, and in that, uh, but meantime, between time, I was just, you know what I'm saying, doing the, um, my pizza business, the uh, weed infused pizza business, and um, comedy's like riding a bike for me. As soon as I get on stage, it's on and popping. So you know, I never, never miss the beat. Um, I went out with Lil Duval last weekend um, and did like a little five minute set in front of his show, and was, uh, yeah, I can do this anytime I fucking feel like it. It yeah. felt good. It felt good going back. It felt, felt great. It's, it's like I could go into autopilot. Yeah, and, me too. I feel you, man. You, you know I what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so, like I was freaked out because about 
five months ago, I opened up for Theo Vaughn at the MGM. And that was like my biggest gig with 3,000 people. Mm. And of course, you go in with some prep, you know, trepidation. But I asked my friend out of Chicago, Kristen Toomey, that does shit like at a bigger level and rolls with Chris Red. And she was like, just bask in it. That's what I advise. Yeah. And I was, went out started going and holy shit it was like being in deep space because it's dark you don't see nobody but the first row but then them thunderous roars come and you're like fuck yeah but then you're like yo a bomb in this motherfucker would be most painful <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey but you know you one thing about those uh, that, that, those uh big shows like that too if you can just get 25 percent of the people laughing, you're winning because it's contagious, yeah. spreads all over. So you can't lose intimate settings that I've I've learned are difficult. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I found that. I found that the bigger the room, the easier time I had because it's also easier to go bigger. Yes. And become more of a performer when you're in front of a huge group. When yeah. you're In front of such a little group you have you ha it's got to feel really natural which i feel like sometimes is even harder yeah you hit it right on the head you hit you you hit it right on the head um i uh the, the, the pressure's off and 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 some more stuff and then the, the drip that goes along with it uh it's magic man i feel sorry for people that don't get a chance to experience this like we have i yeah. really it, it really kind of hurts my heart because you, you can't even explain this to your regular friends no yeah no, they, they, they won't even know what the fuck you're talking about. You know? No, the best yeah. they can do is like cocaine or like yep. sex yep. something like that. You know, well, you hear a lot of people that don't do stand up be like, wow, you're so brave. It's like, <laughs> I, think, I think you're more brave to quit than to have a bunch of people look at you and laugh at your jokes. And, and you know, you feel great. Like, that's <laughs> not that. I feel like that's not that brave. <laughs> yeah. Describe bravery. How, how, what do you, what are y'all, uh, uh, what's your definition when it comes to being a stand-up and, and bravery or, 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 or what's another word for it? The confidence and whatnot. Right. Like, what does it take? What does it take for you guys to get up there and get naked in front of everybody? Yeah. Every Lena, I, you want to answer this first? I'll go first. I think the brave, like, to me, the bravest part, like when I started where I had, cause I had been an actress my whole life. So going from acting to stand up, the performance part for me, I was used to that. That wasn't so brave, but where I really had to get brave was doing crowd work mm. because mm. that to me is the most naked. Cause that's not prepared. I mean, you can have some, some responses kind of in your back pocket, but mm. that's in the moment and you're really connecting with another human and they could be heckling you, you know, they could mm. be someone totally, totally different than you and you're having a conversation with someone basically in front of a huge group of people that you're leading and controlling so to me crowd work is the most brave part of stand-up and for my whole like first year of comedy I didn't do it very much at all and then I started doing a lot of hosting gigs to sort of force myself to talk to the crowd and that to me is where I got brave in comedy yeah for me, it's just doing the kind of material I do. My shit yeah. is edgy. It's just going to be whatever. And I got to say to myself, this is, you know, your truth. Look myself in the mirror and say, if some people will fuck with it, yes, but some people will not. And it never fails. You know, I'll probably walk a couple people 
every gig or whatever. But then the other people that's laughing, them two people are just the eggs to make the omelet, you know, but having to, you know, know that you're never going to get unanimity, even if you get consensus. Consensus is the goal. That's what I think. Bombing. Bombing. What is bombing to you? Well, what is bombing to you? You go first. You're our interviewee. So what is bombing to you? Bombing for me uh, is um, not taking chances and uh, being in your head the whole time and whatnot. And I think I feel like you can bomb even when you, quote, unquote, are doing good. You know what I'm saying? Taking the easy way out. Like, I think as a comic, you're watching other comics. You're like, come on now. You know that was a doodoo joke. All right, man. Okay. Uh, a black a black person, white person. Come on. you come Give give us something now. You, you're you just getting the job done. I feel like that's bombing when you take the easy way out or just try to get the job done instead of, uh, you know, using that, that, that precious stage time to figure out how to stand out at that's what my definition of bombing is. Yo, but I concur with that because there have been plenty of times after my like second or third year where I mm -hmm. knew I was going up and it wasn't just to solidify my act, but I was doing these reps because I had something else I was scared to do or something I should be using that time to do. And then I'd walk off and yeah, I might get the crowd and everything, but I'd just look at myself and be like, that was some sucker shit. You know, you yeah. should have gone this way you know and it's the inside job right mm. yeah i think i think on a similar path to me bombing is being inauthentic you know when you're just rehearsed and you're not in what you're doing even if you're doing even if it works and you're just doing you know the greatest hits and you know every move and you know exactly how to say something but you're not really your head's not in the, not there you're not present that's not authentic and i feel like part of the audience is going to know you're not going to have that ama those amazing laughs. You're not going to get that if you're being inauthentic, right? Like even if you see a bomb, you know, by traditional standards, like once I saw Tony Woods at a club at like two 30 in the morning and the audience was like basically asleep and so drunk. And he did the most beautiful bomb I'd ever seen. He was so natural. So in the moment, I couldn't stop laughing, but the audience was so out of it. They were impossible, but he, it was so authentic and so real and so funny. And I think if you took a camera and showed that to someone afterwards, they wouldn't stop laughing. Well, yeah. say, an excellent example of that. You know, he's not afraid to be himself. And that's yeah. something I uh, 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 appreciate with a comic is you daring to be you in front of everybody that will regular people know you in real life as because you know I tell people all the time when they they don't respect comedy and they're like well, I can do that shit too yeah. I like being at Applebee's in front of all of your homeboys and your yeah. home can you do this same shit that we do in front of perfect strangers you're the only person that knows you in real life there can, can you get that off? And that, I think that's when you know that you're a comic, when you don't need that morals or that that that, that blanket that, that uh to, to make you feel secure and whatnot, you know? You're just going in there and you just, you, 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 you're not afraid to fall out. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, Jack, I how, long, how long have you been doing comedy? When did you start? What's your, what's your come up story? Um, I, I was, I dropped out of school in the ninth grade. Um, 
I, I had ever since I was uh, a kid. Uh, my teachers used to always tell me that I was a comic and that I was funny and stuff like that. But when you were watching these comedy shows, is once again like we were just talking about earlier. It's not the same as when you when you watching a, somebody stand up special or some somebody on one of those comedy shows. They're funny for like fifteen minutes straight, and it's just them. But when you make an outburst in class, that's the totals up to about thirty seconds to a minute. Right. Of, of bullshit you were saying. So, you know, that kind of that kind of definitely uh, discouraged me from wanting to do it. And like, yeah, I don't know if I could do that same shit where everybody's watching me for a, a, a hot 30 minutes. Um, I, 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 when I dropped out, I was trying to figure my life out. And, you know, one thing when you ain't in school no more, you're, you're not the cool kid. You, it ain't no more kids around people your age. You got to figure out how to be grown. I got this job where I was... Uh, ironically, teaching kids how to read at 17 years old. Um, of this, this th so I had three years of just floating, and it, I worked with this girl. She worked at Phillips Arena, that's uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, um, but it's called State Farm Arena now. And the Kings of Comedy just blown up, and they were on tour, and they came to the, the, to the theater. And I told her to give me tickets for both nights. I gave her the money and stuff, and I went, and it changed my life. Uh, not just because it was um, uh, 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 Steve Harvey, Bernie Mac, um, DL, Cedric. Yeah. Uh, and, and even uh, who else was on the show too at the time? Because uh, they had to sub for DL one night. I, I saw DL one night and one night he couldn't make it. It was J. Anthony Brown. But, oh, he's great from Houston. Yes. He's yeah. amazing. Uh, so um, it was this uh, radio personality that I would listen to every morning in Atlanta. His name is Ryan Cameron. I didn't know. People don't know a lot of people uh, 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 that's radio personalities were comics. Yeah. They first and, da -da -da and whatnot. It was a meeting. And when I saw that Ryan was more than just a radio personality and he was up there opening up for the Kings of Comedy in front of 20,000 people, I was like, hold on. I can do that shit too. And so I left these shows with a, a, a new attitude. Uh, Chris Tucker had just opened up his comedy club after uh, Money Talks. And I went to his club, and I had a really great experience the first night on there and whatnot. I didn't know what I was going to do, and I just you know, jumped out of the window. And I started doing stand-up, and I, I, I just never stopped. So I've been doing it for about oh, going on 21 years now. I just bust wow. 30. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And so uh, my, my home club was Uptown Comedy Club. I met uh, Lil Duval there when this was back when he used to go as uh, Roland Powell, his real name. And um, uh, I, I, I ended up moving in with him and bodyguard and opening act, personal assistant, paying dudes, you know, learning everything there is to know about being a stand-up. Mm -hmm. The one that I was doing wrong that um, – he, he used to always point out to me, it was what we were talking about early, and that wasn't being myself. This is doing what you see uh, on comedy shows and, and whatnot and uh, doing your best impersonation of a comedian. And um, I was always an elephant in the room with me. I'd never talk about my, my glass eye. And he made me do that shit. And when I did that shit and talk about different things, that was this, just me. He taught me how to be me. It made it. That, it made it much more uh, more easier for I understood what comedy was then. And yeah. so that's my story. I, there's a lot more to go to it, but I, um, I guess we'll get through it throughout the interview. 
Yeah, yeah. So let me just ask this, because you've touched on being yourself and learning how to be yourself. Do you think something like social media inhibits this a lot? Because I've seen it where I've detoxed for like a year with social media, and I think I've gotten better as a comic because I wasn't thinking about what all these other people, fans or whatnot, was posting, and I could kind of generate some more of my own opinions, do my own research, and then develop or enrich my own voice. And I wonder if people like, you know, at your level feel similarly. Do you feel that that impacts you in any way for better or for worse? Um, I, I, me and Lil Duval, we was, we started doing this YouTube, doing skits on YouTube back in the early 2000s when the YouTube had and came out and stuff. And, um, you know, when, when I moved to, to New York, and I started working for for a Fifty Cent and everything, and I was being a uh, one of the first like internet personalities to like really make this shit pop off. Um, the burst of uh, whether it was somebody that was representing a website or uh, uh, uh influencer or what you would call an Insta comic, you know, when it would become oversaturated, it did kind of fuck my head up. Um, Cause at the same time, that was around the time I want to say back in uh, 2011, I had just got on on Wildin' Out with Nick Cannon and uh, the new generation of Wildin' Out um, uh, cast. A lot of us were from the internet, mm. and I I was excited to be on the show, but at the same time, I was it it, it kind of kind of fucked my head up because. People will look at you as a oh that's the dude off the internet and you know what I'm saying so you uh, they put you inside of this box and you start overanalyzing yourself and seeing that everybody is similar and they doing their best impressions of the shit that they saw because they trying to get their shit popped off and um, yeah kind of I I, I I follow people but I don't follow people so I don't get caught up in the Joneses of comedy and whatnot and find myself um, doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. Like, even when comedy, the comedy clubs open back up, I just had this conversation with this girl like last week and I really don't want to do too much coronavirus jokes. And then this is an election year. This is all the shit that everybody gonna run into the ground on stage. And it, 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 but if if I don't give my perspective on it, then um, is it fair to the audience, or do I still stay inside the same from my frame that hey, if I don't do it, somebody else gonna do it. Let me focus on you know what I'm saying. How can I do it with just stay staying myself and how I I can speak about coronavirus, but me being me living while everybody else is going crazy over this thing without. The coronavirus, coronavirus, Trump, Trump, Joe Biden, Joe, Joe Biden, this and just, I, well, I don't, I don't want my comedy to sound dated, but I still, so it's confusing for me. So you know, I, I don't, I, uh, I, um, I, I, I try to, when it comes to comedy, every day I'm looking for something that I say when I'm around my friends and shit that I ain't got nothing to do with the State of the Union. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, continue to build a set off of that. Because I'm, I'm at a, a point in my life right now at 38 where I'm like, all right, now 
I, I got to get this breakout set so I can break out. But if I'm doing the same shit everybody else is doing, how am I going to break out? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's where I'm at with it. So I, when it comes to social media, yeah, it, it kind of, I ain't gonna front. This shit just, it, it, it get on my nerves. I'm like, damn, all right, you want me talking about that? I can't do that. Oh, damn, I can't even do, I can't do that shit. Damn, so it's like, I gotta watch it, but I, I don't want to at the same time. Just right. like I'm doing, and so I don't fuck with it, if that make any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. That's why I'm kind of off again. I was off about a year and some change, and then when uh, virus happened, I just got back on because I'm stuck in the house. I can't really talk with people like that. It's like, fuck it, put up some statuses. But then I just started seeing the same old fuck shit. And I was like, this is stupid. And this is making me angry and just depressed and everything. So I got off it again. And I was like, I'm just going to go my way. If it pops off, so be it. So not because we're the same age. I'm 39 years old, I guess. And um, you said 38, right? I just was 38 May 7th. Congrats, May 3rd. Wow, you're the first too. So it's kind of like, I just feel as though, um, you know, I have a real job too, but I mean, it's just like, I want to do it my way, my comedy, you know? And if it takes 50 years, so be it. Maybe I'll never see it or whatever, but I can at least say, hey, I did it the way I wanted to do it. Uh, But that's a daily job, you know? It's easy right. to say that, but then every day comes and you're like, oh, shit, this isn't really breaking out. Like you say, maybe like right off the bat or maybe I need to do that thing that's topical and relevant or whatever. But then you're like, uh, I don't know. But yeah, it's tough. But I feel like isn't it true also coronavirus, I think, is really hard because it's sort of is it going to be and this is just a question because I've been wondering this as a comedian, too, like. If we don't talk about it, is it just the elephant in the room? Because it's also something that, you know, when, when you're a comedian, you talk about what you've been living. Mm-hmm. And this crazy quarantine is what we've been living for yes. most of 2020. How do you not talk about how you've been living, but is it going to sound tired? It's a really hard line to cross. And I feel like you have to, you know, if there's, if you've got some, corona story that was insane about your particular quarantine like you got to be able to talk about that on stage and i feel like it might be topical hopefully it won't be topical for too long but i feel like it'll it'll last for a while you you know you i, I like what you just said right now because uh, when it comes to that because when i when i just say that i don't want to talk about what everybody else is talking about but like you said your life is your life i think what's going to have to happen is um watching gonna have to go to a couple of comedy clubs and you're going to see comics doing the same Corona-type joke, but then you're going to see that that comic that does challenge himself or that does uh, that's not a, uh, that's not afraid to tell you what really happened to him during Corona. And it, I think it's going to, um, like always, open my mind up to my own original Corona story. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause it, you're going to see a lot of a lot of comics do that same Corona joke. Right. And so you can, I, you kind of got to use it as a cheat sheet of what not to do. Right, and, right, right. And then you're going to have that, 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 uh, that one Corona joke that's similar to your Corona joke. And now you got to figure out, doctor, that joke and what not to be your own thing to where nobody else can do it but you. And so it, it, it can, um, 
it's a, it's a lot of pressure, it's, but it was it's, it's self inflicted though. And this is just this this I'm speaking for myself. I ain't speaking for nobody else. But right. I torture myself with this kind of stuff, creating um, uh, jokes that I I feel like are one of a kind. You know, yeah. it's really on that tip right now. I really want to be that stand up stand up stand out comic and whatnot. And I don't I, I just. I, I'm, I, I put a lot of pressure on on my set and my jokes and stuff these days because I don't like I said before I don't know how much longer I'm gonna live. I'm healthy, but yeah, I want I want to stand out of the shit. Yeah. Right. And how did how did being on tour with Martin Lawrence? How did that teach you what's gonna be in that breakout set? Like when you're in front of that many people and you're touring with one of the greats of comedy, what did that teach you? about how to get better? Um, one thing about Martin, Martin, he does what he want when he wants to do it. And he say that shit all the time, but then when you actually see it live, you're like, oh, okay, this is really what he wants to do. Like even when you watch that, his old uh, 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 Saturday Night Live uh, monologue, um, he, he, he um, it's, not a, it's not the conventional, it's conventional, no, or traditional monologue that a, a comic would do on Saturday Night Live. Nope. But, <laughs> <laughs> I was 13 when that came out. I remember that. And then the Stuart Smalley bit, whoa, yeah. they took off the air after they ran it that one yeah. time. Now yeah. the motherfucker. Go ahead. Yeah. So he's mastered the art of being himself. And it, that's something that he appreciated about me because I was wondering, man, what the fuck am I doing on this dope-ass tour? And whatnot, and that's what he appreciated about me is that that I didn't care what people thought about me. And you know what I'm saying? And um, I I had found out how funny that I really was, and that I did stand out at it. And um, you know, a lot of the times I am in my head a lot, but uh, it's it, it, be yourself, just be yourself. And he, he used to uh, he he came up to me one night right after the show and was like, "Yo, you killed that shit. Keep it just like that, just like that." And um, I, I was like, okay, so whatever I think is funny, that shit is going to be funny. I'm not supposed to be out here trying to think to myself, what is Martin going to think is funny? Or what would um, such and such uh, think is funny, whoever I look up to at the time? Right. You know, right. It's, it's, it's me. Right. It's, and I, can't, can't, I have to challenge myself to make myself laugh because I already know what's funny. And if, I, if it's funny to me, it's going to be hilarious to the audience. Yes, That's, sir. That's what I learned. That's great. Yeah, Sigmund Freud used to say there's a sort of unconscious psychology of a laugh, and that's what gets you popping the most is something that it wouldn't come, it wouldn't be anything you'd expect, and it hits people, and it makes people, and this is one of my favorite things to do, is hit people with something that's taboo that they wouldn't want to laugh at, and then they're fucking sitting there in the audience like, like, like a building imploding or some yeah. shit. Stifling yeah. what they think that, you know, the climate of being polite or politically correct demands. But they fucking love what they're hearing. Well said. Yeah. I also think, you know, such a big part of comedy is the element of surprise, right? So, like you said, when you are doing something different, you know, like that breakout set you're talking about. I think that's what really gets people. Like I have, I have a six month old baby and- Congratulations. Thank you. It, does this count as a corona baby? Oh no. Hmm? Does this count as a corona baby? 
No, she was three months when the lockdown happened. So it was like right before, right before. You did it. I lucked out. Um, but it's funny because she laughs a lot, but she'll never laugh the same at anything I do twice. And she, and a lot of times she won't laugh at the same thing twice. Even if I do it the next day, she won't laugh at like, if there's a little dance that I do, she'll laugh really hard the first time. I might try it a couple hours later. I'll be like, look, my husband will come on. Look what made her laugh. I'll try it again. Doesn't work. Amazing. And to me, that's so human. You know, that's someone not affected, you know, just like a new human life. The more surprised she is, the bigger laugh you get. And it's teaching me about comedy. You, the more original stuff that you're throwing out there, the more the audience is going to laugh. That's amazing. You, you are lucky to have that. So it's like you starting all over again. You trying to impress yourself. Right. Move. That's dope. Right. That's and so, so you've been at comedy for 20 years now. Yeah. Through all that, it sounds to me like you've had a very entrepreneurial spirit within comedy and outside of comedy, which Most. I think is a really big part of this game. So talk to me about how, were you always an entrepreneur like that? Did you discover it yourself? Like, how did you get that spirit going to the height that it's at now? Um, I'm going to definitely have to uh, give, go back and give this to Lil Duval one, once again. And he he's always been his own man, and he never tried to jump on nobody's wave. And um, uh, he... Um, it, it made him. It made him a really unique, stern, and you know, just he's he's a really big time loner and whatnot. So he he never, when it came to like comedy shows, like with, a, a, let's say Bad Boys of Comedy would come in town or Comedy Central and everything, he didn't care about like if they didn't pick him or not for that. And he always had this this attitude like, hey, listen, I'm gonna just work on just being funny the way I want to be funny. And then by the time uh, if they if they want me on the show, if they want me bad enough, they'll come get me for it and everything. And that, I, I don't put the pressure on myself uh, if they don't pick me. Uh, well, I'm disappointed and uh, uh, or, 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 or thinking that it's the end of the world if I don't get on a certain show because you know between when we first started. Now, it's a lot of shows that came that, that came and gone that people thought would be the coup de grace or something that on. It's not that one thing that's going to put you on. It's a bunch of shit. And if you if you really tap into that and realize that it's all a learning curve, and by the time uh, uh, God say it's uh, your time to blow up, I think that you it, it puts you in a space to be that entrepreneur you know where you're not waiting on that show you're trying to create that show whatever that is you're waiting to get that 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 uh that uh that uh uh, uh, uh this platform that you in it and what they like it my, my ultimate goal i don't know what it's called i know what it kind of looks like um but yeah, I would like my own deaf comedy jam style show mixed with star search and have this radio component thing going on with it and whatnot. Um, I would like to go. I would definitely love to be on Saturday Night Live, but I don't want to be a cast member on there. And that, that, that. I want to be the, the guest on the show. So my my um my entrepreneurial spirit for for whatever I'm doing. I, I have to be at the, 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 the top of it. I got to be the top of the food chain. Mm. 
I have to be at the top of the food chain. And I think that somebody is a really great example of that. Man, it's David Chappelle. It's, it's, it's shit is so out of this world. It's like he does what he want to do when he wants to do it. And he doesn't make any apologies about it and whatnot. And you will go wherever he tells us to go. Yeah. And well, uh, that's what motivates me. Even want to like to to be the man or, or to or to own own myself. You know, I'm, I want to. I want. I'm not. I don't want nobody to pimp. I want to pimp myself from here on out. I don't want to be nobody else's bitch. I want to pimp myself. Right. Yeah. I, I want to be the business. Yeah. I want to answer to nobody. Is I think that being I think that a lot of comedians don't understand. That. I don't think they understand that they're their own business. They're like, if this comedy club doesn't want you right here, that you're trying to get booked up, this man, fuck them. They'll come back. Go. For, it's it's a it's, it's a million comedy clubs over the world. Go get it till you get it right. It's not the end all be all. It's it's about it's about you. How bad do you want? You know what I'm saying? Don't hate on nobody. Don't wait on. Nobody. Go go find it. Yeah. Go. Once you make your mark, then the people will come back if they are and if they don't fuck them anyway. You know, you're still getting yeah. going about your business. Um, uh, here's an example you might appreciate as you're kind of along with the 50 cent thing. I was reading um, Prodigy's autobiography. Really? I was. Yeah, I'm a huge hip-hop guy from way back when. But uh, I was reading this one part about when he and Havoc inside the G-Unit and their one release off that label, Blood Money, I guess, hadn't been quite released or was getting pushed back or something with major politics. And so they went on the side and just put out a bunch of, like, mixtapes, used their name, made all this money, they did their thing. And then 50, out of respect to him, got a mob deep tattoo put on himself because he admired the fact that they weren't just going to, you know, sit down and wait for something, even though they were signed. They said, you know, we're going to go about it our way and make some scratch. I always thought that was a kind of cool example of that dynamic. He really respects you being a hustler and an entrepreneur. He, he, he uh, <laughs> Um, signed MOP and uh, he signed uh, my at the time because he grew up on those guys and he was really really big fans of them now it wasn't the most popular decision at the time because uh, it was so many different new artists out but he was like no fuck that I'm, I, 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 I love you guys and shit and so he gave him a shot he gave him a check and whatnot and uh, win lose a draw they played their hand out and he respects one thing he don't respect if you to come over there and Keep on waiting on to put you on. He said to me when I first, uh, back in 2010, he said, Hey, Jack, use my name, but don't abuse my name and put yourself on. Put yourself on. He always preached putting yourself on. You know right. what I'm saying? And when you get it going, he jumps on the way and he helps you take it to a whole nother level. Because sure. he got what he wants to do. And, you know, and so it's um, he's a he's a really big inspiration to just to backtrack on that, that a question that you asked before. I hang around a lot of entrepreneurial uh, like your 50s and your, and your, your, your little Duvals. You, it's hard to be those type of people that are marketing geniuses and not want to be that same type of genius and have that 
success. It's so it's so exhilarating, it's so motivating, and um and so inspiring, man. So every day I wake up, I'm on some pinky in the brain shit, wondering how the hell can the world be in me, be in me, just the way I gotta figure out how to sell me. Like if I don't, if I if I stop fucking, stop fucking with that, whatever you had wanted to make me a part of, you're gonna feel it. You're gonna feel it. I'm not expendable. You're gonna know the reason why that shit don't work no more, cause I ain't there. That's what I'm. Um, that's what. That's what I'm talking about. And I was saying from the, from the, even the beginning of the conversation, being unfuckwittable and unforgettable. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So how about? Cause a lot of people I think think, okay, well, if I do comedy and if I have like another business on the side, they have to live separately. They can't all live together. And I think you've done a really good job. Like your Instagram is really funny, but then, you know, you're promoting your, your weed wings, which is, mm -hmm. you know, it's like all fun. How do you make all the different facets of yourself and your businesses all tie into your comedy as well? Because once again, um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I feel like it's, building a brand I, I don't even call i don't even consider myself a com i don't call myself a comic i call myself a a, a, just a brand mm -hmm. you know i know that people like me for being funny mm -hmm. and no matter what that no matter what i do whether it's being a radio personality or even if i get a, 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 my own shoes or a, a food line and everything people are people are i want people to buy because they like me and yeah that taste good or they look dope and whatnot that's an extra you know that's 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 extra but if i what i know what i noticed is is if you um figure out how to become the best you people about whatever you whatever you're selling whatever you're selling you know so you just being true to that self you know right. yeah just figuring out how to be the best me so i could sell you a piece of shit if that's what i was pushing at the time right yeah, like, hey, mom, guess what? I just bought Jack Thriller's shit. Yeah. That's like shit. Why you got Jack Thriller's shit? Man, Jack Thriller's so cool, mom. Come on, smell his shit. <laughs> I'm trying to get the point where your son or your daughter can sell you my shit. I'm like, wow, you know what? This shit does smell all right. Well, well how, how much does Jack Thriller's shit cost? I'm yeah. trying to get the people that you love to sell you me too um uh, it's all about branding 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 don't stop you don't stop if it, if it works it works if it doesn't you'll move on um, move on to the next thing and just keep on going work until it works right and you know you're talking a lot about like there's not necessarily one moment when you know and you come up in your career like oh it's not like you get one show and everything changes no but a lot of it is more like what happens within you right like uh, do you have moments or years in your career where stuff really turned around? Like, was there a moment maybe where you're like, I'm going to be myself. And because you decided to be yourself that day on stage, 50 cents saw you on stage or what, or how did that work? Like, where did you start to see real turning points in your career? You know what? Uh, I've never stopped and smelt the roses before. Mm. You know, like, it's a lot of people to tell me that uh, who I am, and I don't know what the I don't know what they're talking about because that's not where I want to be. Right. 
So, you know, I think that you gauge success on no matter what it is, on whatever it looks like to you. Um, but uh, I, like I told you um, in the last couple of questions, I just never stopped working. I always, if it was a video shoot that I needed to go to, or if it was a comedy show, or it was some, some type of aud audition for for um, a, a certain show. Like I, said, I remember uh, getting getting on Wild Now. I wanted to be on Wild Now back in 04 when Nick first started Wild Now. I wanted to be on that then where you got Cat Williams on there, you got uh, uh, Mikey Day and all these other cool comics. Corey Holcomb. Actually, Co Corey Holcomb is the one who had got me on the show. Uh, Corey Holcomb used to come to uh, 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 Atlanta and I used to always, once again, uh, be really, uh, um, I had a really great marketing sense and everything. I would have my name on my shirt and whatnot. And at the time, I wasn't going by Jack Thrill. I was going by Honey Buns. Honey Buns was my, my stage. <laughs> and everybody hated it because they thought it was gay. And it, yeah. it wasn't cool to be gay. Uh, you know, as far as just it. It's right, no, right, right. It's gay. They wasn't saying it. Yeah, I'm gay. You know. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm. Hold on. Let me say something too. I'm. I'm not gay. I just had a gay name. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, I had these really dope honey bun shirts, and Corey was like, "Yo, who made your shirts for you?" Like, I made them myself. Uh, he was like, hey, "Can I pay you to make mine?" And I'm like, "Nah, I'll make them for you for free. You just pay for the uh, the materials and blah blah blah." And he's like, "Okay, oh, cool, cool. We did that for like a, maybe a year." He hit me up. He was like, "What can I do for you?" And I was like, I want to be on Wild and Out. Can you get me an audition for Wild and Out? I ain't saying make Nick put me on the show. Just get me an audition. That would really mean a lot to me because I really think that would be the defining factor of me taking my life to a whole nother level. And uh, so he was like, hey, come to L.A. First time I was ever on a plane. I was 24 years old. Um, uh, uh, you figure out where you're going to stay at because you can't stay with me. And whatnot. I was like, okay, cool, I'm coming, but you're gonna give me an audition, right? I didn't care. I was always driven. And he got me this audition, and uh, he, uh, he, uh, it, it was not a, like a real traditional audition. Uh, he uh, goes to, to Nick and says, hey, this is my homeboy, Honeybun. And <laughs> he forgot my name was Honeybun until he said it. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it always catches you off guard, like, oh, shit. I'm, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> And Nick was like, what the fuck? And he was like, yeah, his, his name is Honey Bun, but he's not gay. Uh, but <laughs> and uh, he was like, all right, well, you, you want to um, be on my show? Go make my audience laugh and whatnot, and then I, I'll let you be on the, the next season. He's like, what you mean? We want to go do stand-up or some shit? And uh, he was like, yeah, go, just go make them laugh. And he gave me a mic, and I went out there and did a piece of my routine, and they were on the floor. He was like, hey, man, you're going to be on the next season of Wild and Out. There was no next season of Wild and Out. So I went all the way up here, and then I went, <laughs> crashed right uh -huh. down. Um, so, but what it did do for me, and this was the, uh, the, your initial question, it let me know that I was good enough for something special to happen for me. Yeah. And it prepared my skin for to be disappointed if I ever was at the top of something again and uh, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And I ended up getting on the show six years later after I changed my name. I'm with 50 Cent now. And of course, I, when, I, when, I, uh, when, I, when I, before I met 50, I had changed my name too.
because I knew I was fixing to meet him, and I didn't think it was going to go good. Me saying, hey, what's going on? My name is Honeybun50. And, <laughs> and to, to this day, he, does, he he brings that shit up in front of, you know, the most hardcore of gangsters. You know his motherfucking name used to be Honeybun? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and, and and that's what it was for me. It just helped me to reach the skies and what, reach for the uh, the stars and everything and not uh, be disappointed when it doesn't go my way. So like you said earlier, you said that I'm going to take the long way. And if it takes 50 years or if I never even get it, at least I did it my way. And that's good enough for me. Ultimately, for uh, if I have if I have to have one of those whack ass lifetime movies, uh, <laughs> where you see me trying my ass off my whole life and whatnot, on, and there's a lot of ups and downs and shit. But I never get to that point. But everybody say that Jack Driller was he was he could have made it. He, that's good enough for me. I know that I've done enough for that to happen at the, at the least. Right. The least I should be able to get some bum ass lifetime <laughs> about failing or succeeding at something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's a win win. And if you have those type of those type of goals, where win, lose, or draw, wherever the chips may fall, I think you won. You're successful. Yeah. Th- yeah. Because I've seen a lot of people do get those moments that we were just talking about, be on that show that look like it's fixing to take them to a whole nother level, and you never see that motherfucker again. Because if you live for the cheers, you'll die by the booze. You'll die by the booze. If you get to that point and you're waiting for everybody to keep on opening up doors for you to keep on elevating inside of your career and you don't have that entrepreneurial spirit, I think it will stunt your growth in this climate. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it'll it'll stunt your growth in this climate because we live in a society right now when, especially when it comes to entertainment, uh, what have you done for me lately? The people want that shit like, okay, what else you got? What else you got? What else you got? So you got to keep them entertained. You can't take six months off and you can't take uh, three months off and everything until you figure out this. No, because it's, it's, a, it's a new person coming out every five minutes that wants your position. Mm-hmm. And they've been watching you for a long time. They're studying you, whether you know it or not. And they're gonna be they're gonna be the best them, and they're gonna be even a better you. So you don't even really have time to be procrastinating trying to figure shit out. Figure your shit out every morning. Every morning, I pray for God to open my mind up and uh, give me give me help me become the best me and everything to to be able to think thoughts that nobody else has thought or possibly or something close to it. Just you know, get just open my mind up, and I. I I understand that I don't know everything. Uh, I, I want to learn how to be a better me, how to treat people better, how to become a better uh, uh, a boyfriend, how to become a better ladies' man, how to become a better brother, how to become a better son. And all, all that, just every day I'm trying to become a better me. And now I'm trying to get unfat right now. I'm just, that's why I have on this, this, uh, this hoodie right now. It's hot as fuck outside. <laughs> I, was, I can't lie. I was wondering. I was like, does he have his AC up all the way? It's so hot. Nah, nah, I just got back from a workout. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get unfat from all this pizza that I've been eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and switch things up. And some of the, a lot of the ladies that I deal with today, um, they, they have been kind of, you know, poking fun at me. Like I'm getting a little, a little chubby. <laughs> yeah, a little, so, you know, um, I can't lie to myself. Right. And, I'm on it. You're going to see me also um, in the next couple of days working with different trainers and letting everybody walk with me 
on uh, losing the weight in a funny way, my own brand. Oh, Branded way. So everything that I do, I want you to walk with me. I'm going to make it funny. And we're going to find some jokes that are tailored to me and everything. So but whoever coming to my shows, they already know what the fuck I'm talking about. And yeah. It, right. it, yeah. So I'm trying to uh, uh, just, you know, meet, meet, meet myself every day halfway. Hell yeah. So you got, so what are you doing to, to lose the weight? Are you doing trainers? Are you doing keto? Are you doing, or you don't know? All of it. All of it. <laughs> All of it. I'm doing whatever. I'm, 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 I'm doing the keto. I got, like, like I said, about three trainers that I'm working with right now. Um, I'm, I'm switching, my, uh, switching the diet all the way up. I'm a big, I'm a, I love steak. Me too. I love sodas. Um, I love potatoes, man, and man, it's just, it's so hard, but, you know, one thing that's, like, putting me in check, like I said, these same videos that we be talking about, that we was just talking about that I'm, I'm putting up and stuff, I'm seeing myself be fat on my, uh, on them, but I feel amazing. I'm like an in-shape fat guy. Yeah. I, no, I got, I'm the same way. I hate it. it, it I love I, all that shit you're talking about, and now look at me, I'm drinking a fucking LaCroix like a white woman. It's pathetic. <laughs> and... But it's what's necessary, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So accountability. Yep. accountability. That's just getting better at accountability. And, you know, not being able to point fingers at anybody on why I ain't shit or why I had a heart attack or why I'm about to have a stroke and shit. So just, just me just every day putting myself in check, trying to become a, a better me. Yep. Oh. So I want I want you to see me cheating too. You gotta <laughs> cheat. It's, it's such an important part of dieting. You gotta cheat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You look really you just you this I'm getting a little uh, uh upset and jealous of you right now. You just had a baby. You look amazing. I appreciate that. Thank you very what much. You what are you what what some tips that you could give me? I've been working I've been working my ass off. I'm not going to lie. This is not natural. I've lost, I gained 30 pounds in pregnancy. I've lost 20. I've got 10 more to go. I've done, you got It's all about a couple of things. It's all about the cardio. You got to do a lot of cardio. And then it's all about food. Like I don't need any dairy. I don't need any red meat. But on the weekends, I let myself kind of eat what I want to eat. The nice thing is, is home cooked meals are always better than ordering out. And the quarantine helped a lot with that. So if I want like something sweet, I'll make banana bread and sweeten it with dates instead of sweeten it with sugar. I don't have that on the weekend, but with Monday that. with dates, it's so good. It's so good. Trust me. Okay. Vegan banana bread with dates. You, and you can Google all these recipes and it's been like a lot of kale smoothies and, but I eat like, I eat a lot of fish. I eat a lot of vegetables. I let myself have carbs every once in a while. You know, at least once a week, I'll have like rice or bread or something like that. So it's not, I'm not like on some crazy strict, you know, liquid only diet. It's just basically like eating really healthy and being patient. Because I started doing this diet and working out five days a week, six weeks after I gave birth. And the first six weeks after that. So it was basically like the first three months after I gave birth, nothing happened. Didn't lose a single pound. And I was working my ass off in the gym, 
and I was working my ass off, eating really well, nothing, nothing happened. And then suddenly three months in, everything started to drop with that same work. So you got to be patient with yourself. That's my biggest tip. Just like when you don't see anything happening, keep going. See, that, that, that's some amazing advice right there. And it, it works so many in different areas of your life is being patient with yourself. And, you know, being patient with yourself, but working at the same time. Yeah, you got to keep working the same. That's, I would get so frustrated because I would get on the scan and I'd be like, this week, those first two months, I was like, this week, for sure I lost weight. I worked so hard. I didn't get on the, sale, on the scale. Same. <clears throat> and I was like, what's the problem? What's going on? I even called, the, I called my doctor. And my doctor's like, you just had a baby. That's a major medical life event. It's going to take a while. Because your body stores fat after you have a baby because it needs the fat to make a, to make a kid. So it's like, you're, it's going to take a while for it to move. Mm. And I was so impatient because I'm the same way as you with comedy, you know, just like always, you know, always looking at that next thing, always having bigger goals. So I got annoyed. But as soon as I hit the three month mark, things just started happening. I did. I did. Mm -hmm. Now I got a question for you guys, man. And this is, do you, do you all like comedians? When I say comedian, I think you already know what I'm talking about. No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, you know what? And I think PD, PD will probably echo this with me. You know, you have a couple comedians, like this is PD from PD and I, you have a couple comedians that are like your homies forever, you mm -hmm. know, but as in general, as a community, like we get, I would get so annoyed with comedians as a whole. And, you know, you go to shows and you're like, these fucks. Yeah, but now, now that we've been in quarantine and I haven't been doing comedy, I miss comedians so much. You miss saying these fucks. Yeah, I miss being like these fucks, these idiots. I miss them so much. I'm so excited to see even the people that I'm just like, oh, they're so bad. What are they doing here? Because you know we all get those feelings. I'm I'm excited to have the opportunity to all be together and performing so that we could talk shit at each other. I'm excited. Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm more or less that sentiment. Uh, another reason I got off social media was I was tired of seeing their presence there. Like in real life, a lot of them are a lot more reasonable and better. And like they have kind of the similar mindset or at least they have the comic intuition but like then you see them on facebook and you're like yo you don't believe that corny ass shit you just posted i know you yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. motherfucker like I, uh -uh, I ain't with it so that's kind of where i'm at with it but yeah if i see some of them other than my close personal friends in comedy yeah it could be refreshing it could be fun eels of the game what, what could you do without Hmm. Evils of the game. Um, I think all the politics of stage time, I could do without. Because it's, I mean, especially as a woman in comedy, like, there's a lot of politics that go into stage time. And you got to, like, you know, you got to be nice to certain people that aren't very nice to you. And it doesn't necessarily always have to do with skill. So some of those comedy politics that you get in any business, by the way. That I don't miss. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, to be honest with you. I wish I could tell you what evils of the game that 
this game could do without, but in a way it somewhat contributes to my life outlook and my comic outlook. So I don't know that I'd ultimately pick one thing and get it up out of there. I just know what I'm happy not to be involved in. And most of that's the drugs and the alcohol and all that sort of shit. Cause I've seen people, close friends die from this thing. Um, and that's never good. But at the same time, like, what are, what are they going to do without a liquor license? Like, you know, at all these clubs, like half of this game is getting motherfuckers loosened up so they can laugh at some of the shit we say up on stage, you know, which people wouldn't want to do in an intimate setting without. So, you know, it, it's one of them Hobson's choice, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, there's always going to be evils in this game, but it's just about circumventing them. So I don't know that I ever, like, trade any of it necessarily. Now, do you feel the pressure to be a comic and whatnot inside your regular life where people uh, come up to you and they're like, they're wondering why you're so serious or uh, because, uh, because you're a comic and they feel like they could just say anything to you? And, you know, because uh, I'm a very, uh, I'm, a, I'm emotional. Mm -hmm. on stage and off and and sometimes when I'd have uh when someone says something to me and they're expecting me to be jovial mm -hmm. uh inside my response no matter if it's something they're saying to me is disrespectful <laughs> um I could be considered as an ass y'all ever find yourself in these moments but um and if you do how do you deal with it? All the time. I mean, I think one of the things I hate most, I mean, every, a lot of comics will say that thing about, you know, people come up and they just want, like, tell me a joke. They want you to be funny on command, which I don't do, you know. But then the other thing is they start talking to you and they think they're going to, like, one-up you in front of their friends or something like that because you won't say a joke right then and there. And I don't. You know, that annoys me, but I just think to myself, like, you corny motherfucker. Like, you don't even know what you're fucking doing now, you know? Like, you get up on that stage, it's some other shit, and you know it damn well, and that's why you're showing out right now. So I, a long time ago, I learned to kind of tell that to myself. But but it is still annoying. I won't front, you know? But it's not like, you know, I'm a grown-ass man. It's not like I could be like, yo, motherfucker, like, check him against the club world. <laughs> Right. Never fucking do that to me. <laughs> Even though part of me's like, I wish I could do that, you know. Have, has comedy made you guys recuse? Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. You know, I also think it's comforting that that a lot of comics feel how you, how you just said. Like a lot of us are more sensitive or quiet away from the stage, and people don't realize that. Realize. So I think doing comedy made me more confident in that sense where it's like oh i don't necessarily have to be the class clown in every situation of my life to be a good comedian because a lot of comedians that you meet are like serious introverts serious you know? and then they get on stage and you're like whoa this you know, is a whole nother person I was watching this special on Eddie Murphy, and um, uh, it said someone asked him, "Is like which one of the roles that you play is closer to who you are?" And he was like, "None." And every interview that I've ever seen Eddie Murphy in, it's nothing like it. Nothing like any of the roles, or it's a it's like it's a whole other character or something. 
And I remember meeting him one time and it blew my mind that everything that I thought I was going to say, I couldn't say to him because I had realized I didn't, I didn't fucking know him. Right. And, and I've grown up on him my whole life. And he was real, like you just said, really quiet to himself. And he was wondering why I was so jumpy and jit and, <laughs> and and I, I'm repeating things, lines from the different movies and shit. And, uh, it, it was mind-blowing to see him, like, be, uh, under, he, to see, see him understand why I was like that, but then not feed into me doing that. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. So was, yeah. he, so was he kind of shy, or what vibe did you get from him? He was, he, was, he was looking at me like, Oh, he's going through a phase right now where he doesn't know who he is. And he's got to get used to being around people. And so he just let me be a fan comic and whatnot. And now I found myself, um, I want to say 15 years later, in the same position where I'm like, okay, this young comic he's going through, he's trying to figure out how to be around people because he's not comfortable with himself just yet. Right. Yeah, would you say that, like, when your act is that good, like someone like an Eddie Murphy, it just makes people think, oh, yeah, that's him everywhere he goes, the same guy on stage that we pretty much see him as. So I, I think it, it almost has to be. Like, the same – I'm not famous by any means, but the same guy I'm on stage is not. And Elena can tell you this, the guy I am just – in person hanging around like sometimes yes i think but like a lot of times no like i remember one night i was doing a show at this place and this girl was bartending and it turned out she was a waitress at this other place where i went to go eat a lot and she didn't even know i did comedy and i get up on stage i did my thing i killed and everything then i got off and she's sitting there like she just seen a ghost you know and i was like what's the matter you know she's like that stuff you were saying up there like you know i was like so what? She's like, well, like I see you at my other restaurant. You're always so polite and like respectful and all, <laughs> you know, and then I just seem like a terrible person or a psychopath or something, you know? And I was like, nah, man, you know, there's a time and place, you know what I'm saying? But some people, they don't want to believe that or they, they just don't believe that, you know? That was excellent. That because that's that that happens to me all the time, where um I'm, I meet people that would say that I thought that you were you're an asshole in real life and you're uh, a womanizer and da 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 and I have to reply I am all of those things that you think I am, where people think that I'm violent and some other shit, but you I'm not these are the thoughts that I have but that's not the way you can't walk through life as if life is Grand Theft Auto. Yeah right. These are, this is my imagination yeah. coming. I, I just showed you a cartoon. Exactly. I, I cartoon is exaggerated and whatnot. So it's all me, but I can, what you, what do you want me to do at Applebee's sitting out at the bar with you and whatnot? Right. What? It's supposed to be different. It's a, a, I understand now that it's a time and a place for everything. And this is the time you know, when it's on stage. Like I, people, uh, uh, let me ask you something, a uh, waitress or, police officer or social worker, what do you think about and what would your five-minute set be that people probably will be shocked to know 
about you because I tell nobody, everybody that uh, I come in contact with, I don't give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm not surprised at what anybody will do at any time of the day because you don't know what people go are going through. And one thing that you and I and, uh, and Pete get a chance to do is we get to vent in front of everybody to get that instant gratification, to get all that nervous energy, all that, all that the bullshit just out. We, we get a chance to, to get that out of our head. And a lot of people don't get a chance to do that. And it creates uh, diseases like Tourette's and uh, post, uh, 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 what's that, PTSD and some other shit because they implode. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you, you got to, uh, and if you're not doing that around your friends, if you're not able to be yourself around your friends to say the wildest shit, I don't think they're your friends. They just deep, they're default friends and people that you just hang out with because you ain't got shit else better to do. That's right. Yeah. Though, no, um, since you asked and you mentioned social work, I am a social worker, actually. That is what I do. And I've been for over a day. And yeah, and, and I talk about stuff I deal with on stage and some of the, you know, I don't name nobody, of course, nothing like that. But it's just, it's interesting to me that when people who've approached me after a set say, oh, I was offended by that bit or whatever, it's usually like, oh, I got a third cousin that's got, like, depression or schizophrenia or something like that. But a lot of times other social workers or clinicians have come up to me and straight up said, yo, that was wonderful. Like, those are some of the thoughts I have every day. You put it out there and you analyze that we can't say these things, obviously, on the job. But I appreciate that someone out there knows what we're doing, you know? Because mm -hmm. they want to know what that shit is. They yeah. want you're able to say that on stage and whatnot as somebody that goes through it. But then on top of that, you got that license to kill on stage. One thing 50 tells me about coming, he said, one thing, uh, 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 when he was, I think he was dating Chelsea Handler at the time. And he said he'd be inside the dressing room and he gets like a, a room full of comments and they hitting him from every end and whatnot. he can't keep up. And, he, and he's like, it, he can't say anything to offend them because comics are bulletproof. You're bulletproof. You can say whatever you want to say. It's not always going for going for the jugular when it's time to purge. I think you you purge with comics backstage. That's your that when that that that, that alarm goes off and y'all just y'all go at each other and it's nuts. Anything goes, but the regular people can't do that because they probably shoot someone in the face or, like you said, get offended. And it's also not funny when regular people do it. Like when it, my comedy friends make fun of me, it's hilarious. Right. You know, like I just start laughing because it's true, but also it's so funny. So like it's hard to get mad and then you dish it back and it's funny. And there doesn't, I don't know. I feel like when comics make fun of each other, it's also not that angry. Like a lot of the time when a non-comic is trying to make fun of you like it's kind of rooted in anger and it comes off a lot more like an insult than a joke a hundred percent a hundred percent what's the most fucked up thing that someone has said to you and you said to somebody in the comedy club whether it was on or backstage definitely all been backstage i remember what it's hard to remember what i said 
one of my friends told me, one of my comic friends told me, she was like, she was having a problem with a, with, with another comic. And I, and I said something like, oh, that hasn't happened to me. And she goes, yeah, well, that's because you're Hollywood nice to everybody. Uh-huh. And I was like, and the way she said it was funny, but at the same time, I was like, oh, that's fucked up. Like, she just told me that I'm fake all the time. She's like, yeah, but you're Hollywood fake nice to everybody all the time. So, and I was like, oh, shit, that one hit me. And I don't remember what I said. What about you, Petey? I don't, I, you know. I don't remember the most terrible thing or anything that someone said or a really insulting thing. I, I think most people know not to um, with me. And I'm not even saying that like I'm some type of tough guy, but I've said that to people. They say, oh, no, you're intimidating, blah, 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 blah. I think maybe a couple ones that stand out, I mean, it might have been Shit. You know what? I think it actually was that girl at <laughs> time who said that I was a respectful person, mm. but not stage. I really because that stuck with me. You know what I'm saying? Like that was sort of like saying, "Oh, you can't be multifaceted or something," or like that my politeness was just a front, and I'm not really like that. Um, yeah, I think that was it for real. Like I couldn't be multidimensional. What about you, Jack? What was the most fucked up thing a comic said to you? Uh, it, it's definitely Lil Duval. Uh, <laughs> we, was, uh, we was on live, on Insta Live one time. And uh, I think I, we was on Insta Live in, in, the, in Dominican Republic. And I had just gotten married. And we, uh, uh, he had t- took me and my, uh, my, my ex-wife on um on a honeymoon and we was on live and he said in front of her uh, <laughs> he said uh honey uh, honey he said uh, he said a honey bun is one of the funny that would never make it oh and I, <laughs> what that's how you feel like he, I, he really meant that shit too and then I'm mean, he's saying it in front of her because I want her to think I'm the, the king of the world of course. And I want her to think I'm the one of the dopest guys I've ever met unless she married me. And uh yeah, I, I was embarrassed. And I was like, I, it also put me in a place where I was like, I'll show you. I am gonna make it. And I'm gonna be one of the funniest guys that did make it. And then I'm gonna throw it inside your face. It whatever my roast or your roast, da 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 da. And that's I, I took it the wrong way. Cause I, it was, it was, um, I felt like I gotta get, I gotta get revenge at the end of the day, but really I should do, do, do it for myself, become one of the funniest guys that does make it. And then I shouldn't be insulted because it was, um, uh, uh, he, uh, we was in front of my wife. Mm -hmm. Um, I should be, um, I should be flattered that he thinks I'm, one of his favorites on the low. I'm looking at it from right. the wrong perspective. Right. Yeah. And I think that even in his insults, it's all perspective. Like even when that girl told you that you were Hollywood nice to everybody, she's saying that, yo, you don't even belong around uh, people like me. 
and whatnot. Uh, you have you. I feel look at you like you're on a whole nother level. And uh, I see that you. you uh, I, I wish I could deal with people the way you deal with people, even when you don't want to talk to people. Right. It's effective. Right. And and, right. and the girl that you were talking to, once again, protective. Uh, I, I feel like she was basically uh, uh, saying that, wow, you're very adventurous and everything. I thought that you were just, um, you know, just the average Joe, but you know, I, I, I see that uh, you got a, a flair to you. You you do live a fun type lifestyle. You do live your life off the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. she sized you up. It's, I think it's all perspective That's when it right. To take in insults, and sometimes you just can't take yourself so seriously, right? Because being being um being your biggest critic, you know, right? And mm-hmm. no, you have to realize too that when people are uh, trying to hurt you, they're they're hurt, and it's something wrong with them. It's not it's not you, yeah. It's not you, and it took me a long time to realize that, yeah. I used to take everything so personal and I don't do that shit no more. If I don't, we have enough technology today. You don't even have to change your number no more. You can just keep on blocking people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right off. You don't have to. That you don't want to. Protecting your energy at all costs. Yeah. And protecting your energy, I think, is really important when you're an artist because a lot of artists, like you said, are like you, very sensitive. You know, that's what a lot of people don't realize, especially if you're a comic. Like, I think being sensitive is probably what makes you a better comic, but you have to protect yourself. You do. Because you know that, like, even if people don't mean it, even if your perspective is like, I know this person isn't, you know, trying to bring me down, but sometimes you can take things a certain way. So you got to protect your energy. Yeah. And, you know, Pete, as a social worker, you know, how do you find yourself out of those dark places inside of your mind? How, what do you what what do you advise the people that you uh, uh, you social working your clients? Oh well, my clients that's very multivariate because everybody's got a different problem or two. You know what I mean? You have to mm-hmm. tailor it, your answer to what's going on. There's contextual things. There's endogenous things like you know you could be just prone to depression. There's addiction issues. There's relationship problems. It, can't really give the most general of answers but the most general answer you can give somebody is to say you got to know who you are you know what I mean you got to get in touch with yourself and what's triggering you and what excites you what enthuses you to want to do better or to achieve some kind of a goal and then you can plot that out but everybody that answer is going to be different, you know, because life is simple, but people are fucking complex, you know? Most definitely. You feel like being a social worker has helped you become a better comic? Absolutely. Absolutely. And not just because, you know, there's so much material there, but I think just um, being attuned with all the different types of personalities that are out in the world and what sort of messages have pathos versus you know stuff that people don't give a fuck about you know you're not going to hear me do any airline food jokes you know it's just i'm going for that pith you know i can dig i can dig it yeah what guys what what do y'all want you know what do we want 
What do we want? I mean, let me tell you, this quarantine has humbled me. Right now, all I want, give me a stage and an audience for now. I just want to, and I've been writing. I got a lot to talk about. My life's changed in a million ways in the past six months. And, you know, I'm craving that outlet. You know, what happens with that outlet is changed a lot. You know, since I became a mom, it's more kind of what we're talking about, which is I want to do my career my way. You know, if I'm going to have time away from my kid, I want to be saying what I want. I want to be acting on what I want because I've been acting my for so many years and I've acted on a lot of projects that it was money and they gave me the part. So I did it. I haven't had the pleasure of, you know, necessarily getting hired to act on something where I was really, really proud of the material. So now I'm like, I just want that stage time. I want to create as much as I can. And I want to do it my way. Whatever happens from that, I care less now than I ever did. Wow. So quarantine has definitely um, made you more appreciative. And uh, uh, the gratitude has gone to a, a whole nother level of taking sure. a day. For sure. I think the quarantine and the comedy and having a baby, since it all kind of happened together, I think both those two events really changed my perspective with that. It's like, and I don't really care what bookers think as much anymore. Like I'm just, I'm just ready to go out there and be as funny as I can and connect with that audience and hear laughs. That to, that's what I want. Yeah. I think in terms of an immediate goal, that's my thing too. I think in terms of long-term, it's not too much different than what it's always been. I mean, with the kind of shit I do my first year and a half, the goal was to not get stabbed in a parking lot behind a club <laughs> or an open mic. Um, but once I knew that wasn't going to happen and there were people that fucked with what I did and everything, it just became what it always is. I just want to make my mother proud, you know, and then additionally uh, do it for DC because DC's given me so much. I've lived here my whole life and I just want to be a credit to the city. And that's about it, honestly. Kids. Somebody asked me last night uh, about kids. Like, I don't have any children. And, like, do I still want them at 38 and whatnot? And, you know, I, 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 before, if you asked me this shit a couple years ago, I wanted 10. But now, like, you know, I see you're a new mother. Um, uh, and uh, I don't know, Pete, you got kids? Nope. No, no sir. Do you want kids with the way the world is going? And Absolutely not. <laughs> I, wow. Wow. What about you, Jack? You said you wanted 10. How do you feel about it now? Do you want kids? Do you not want kids? It, it, see, I, 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 I'm in fear that I'm never going to find the right woman to be perfect to have these kids with and to share uh, the same uh, views on raising children. Like, like I said, I'm from down south. So, but I'm, I'm in New York. So a majority of the time, if I am inside of a serious relationship, like me, all, the way that we grew up with is extremely different. Now, not to say that we should have everything in common, right. but right. whooping kids and you ain't into whooping kids. And there's a lot of letting people, letting kid, children slide with certain things where, it, uh, uh, where we're inside of a world where people don't let you slide as a grown person. Right. And, you know, I think that could be a real issue. And like you said earlier, Pete, you know, you're dealing with different personalities and, you know, now there's a lot of diagnosed mental illness going on right now. How does my kid, have, how does my kid deal with that with people that are mentally ill that are uh, also having children? And that children are going to be 
my kids? What am I going to do? How do I protect them from this shit? Yeah. You know, harder being a kid now than it was for us when we were younger. Or, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's different. So it's a lot to think about. Yeah, no, that's precisely why I don't want any. I think the world's getting too complex, too quick, um, and I can't teach them the same way my parents taught me. And I don't think that the way they were taught was necessarily that different from what they taught me. And people say, yeah, the world's progressed, but I'm looking out the window. I'm not seeing that going on. I think it's getting worse, and I think that – um, it's an expensive proposition to raise a kid for 18 years. And this is the other kicker. It ain't even 18 years no more with the demands for like post or graduate education, college and all that shit. And they're saying the human brain now, neuroscience is saying it ain't an adult till you're 27. And I believe that. I made stupid decisions at 24, 25, you know. I 100% believe that. It's just, it's out of control. So I don't, nah, man, I, I think it's a major disservice bringing another kid into this world. You know what I mean? Like every time when somebody has a kid and people start going, and this is not a you, Elena, in any shape or form. Don't <laughs> no, not at all. I'm not worried about it. Great. And they go, oh, yeah, you know, a kid was born. What a blessing or whatever. And I'm looking at the parents, and I'm like, I don't know how y'all think that's – like, I know what a C student looks like. That ain't necessarily that unique, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't see – yeah, nah, 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 uh-uh. I'm yeah, not I get – and there is a lot of I, – I get, Jack, I get a lot about what you're saying about being raised in the South. Like, my dad's Spanish, and I grew up in Mexico. So some of this, especially like in, in, in certain, in like coasts of the U.S., like I joined this mom group when I first had the baby and there was a lot of people talking about letting the baby leave. Like, let the baby tell you when the baby's tired. Let the baby tell you what they want. I'm like, it's a baby. The one thing a baby can't do is leave. Like, like, it's a bait. Like, when, when you say you're acting like a baby, it's, you're not being a leader. Like, all this baby wants is you to tell them what to do. Because they get here, they don't know what the hell is going on. They're like, please, please lead. You know, but I think what you said, Jack, is right on. It's all about getting the right partner. If you have the right partner to do it with you and understands that, all this noise around doesn't matter. You can find the right school to match your kids. You know, they're going to learn from friends. You can't control that. Like a big part of, the, of being a parent is worrying. But if you're doing it with someone whose, you know, morals and views align with yours, you're going to have a strong family unit. That's, I think, the most important thing before you have a kid. And a lot of people, you know, will get married for the wrong reasons and have kids to try to save it. And then I think that affects all kinds of other stuff. I really think it's about partner yeah and let me just piggyback and say i know elena's husband and he's a terrific guy i mean i i couldn't pick a man or husband for elena or somebody else you know i knew when she told me oh yeah i'm pregnant i was thinking well out of the comics i know this one's baby isn't going to get delivered at a coffee shop so i was like Um, but a lot of other people I can't say the same for. And that's 
the deal, you know? Yeah, but, but we're, we're piggybacking on what she said also, do you think that you, it's, it's possible for you to find a, a partner and yeah. this change your views on having children, Pete? Oh, about not having them? Yes, I do. They're few and far between, but I think they are legitimately women who don't want to have kids. Um, <laughs> now, I think some – don't get me wrong. I think some say they don't, and they secretly do. There's like a biological imperative, and they may not be saying what's true. But I see it enough on some of these dating websites I go on. I don't want them. I don't want them. I don't want them. So, but then again, I never get to meet any of them. <laughs> I never match with any of them. So how would I know? It could be some lies. True. Because people can be any, anybody they want to be online. Yeah. Yeah. They do a good job in doing it in real life. You know what I'm saying? So online, it makes it even uh, more crazier because you have so many options. Lena, you, you you lucked out. You found somebody, you know, and then you, you're getting co-signed by Pete, too. Oh, man, you're a diamond in the rough. Well, I think, I, I mean, I know I was single for a long time before I met my husband. So, like, I get the feeling like I'm never going to find someone. But I think as long as, like, it's so cheesy. But, like, as long as you're working on yourself and you're feeling like you're your best self, right when you're like, I don't need anybody, that's when the perfect person shows up. I Love think, it. and I think, and I think there's somebody out there. It's so cheesy, but I think there's someone out there for everybody. You just have to be patient and don't get desperate and don't go for that person. You know, don't let like lust or mist. A lot of the time, guys that I thought were mysterious were actually just mentally ill. Like, don't go for like the mystery, <laughs> you know, the enigma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, he's so mysterious. I just can't figure him out. (laughs) (laughs) Probably in vain. You know what I mean? So Mm. I think think there's someone out there, but I think if you know yourself really well, and I think it's important to date a lot. Like the more you date, the more you know what you do want, what you don't want. How do y'all feel about polygamy? I don't know. I tell you, I watched Big Love and I was like, yeah, like one wife would be bad enough. <laughs> it's like, no, I, I, no, no way. I don't see how that's manageable. Yeah, listen, I don't judge anybody if that works for you, sure. But me, I know myself well enough that I'm way too jealous to handle that. I could never handle that. I could never handle sharing a guy. Or also, or even like having several guys for me, I would get, it's too, I have too much brain for that. You know, I think too much about every little interaction. You know, I get really into human behavior and human relationships. I would go crazy, I feel like. I could never handle it. Interesting. You know, I don't, with me, some, my family, hang on, it's too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to be in a uh, uh, a house with 10 women for my affection every day and just loving me and wondering, can I find 10 women to want me at the same time that'll be excellent mothers? And it's cool if you are a mother already. That doesn't, ex- that doesn't exclude you uh, as part of this uh, collective and whatnot. Uh, 
you're not you're not even like messing with less than ten. you want double digits you want 10 women competing you don't even want like three or four you're going straight to 10. because i'm thinking about all different kinds of women all okay. all different types of women and ten, i I'm, I'm also thinking about like okay how are we gonna all fit in the, in the same place the same house and whatnot and, and as far as rooms go are we all going to stay in the same room is yeah. it that and then you know it, it's it's so much more goes into it because i like different women too i i like them um uh, small skinny uh different ethnicities and stuff you know it's just yeah i think variety is the spice of life um so if i can't get one person that got everything then maybe I'm supposed to be one of those people that that's inside of a, a polygamous relationship. And then that's what happens. It could be too. If we can find that uh, the heroes over the or, you know, we can find 10. If, I, if I'm that, that comedian that's blessed enough to make enough money to take care of all these women and all these children, like my, my, uh, D-Ray. Y'all know D-Ray? Yeah, yeah. D-Ray has and they go to comedy shows with him. They're gorgeous. <laughs> they look. They look so happy. Everybody looks so happy. Wow. And Are, I think. Have you ever have you ever been in anything polyamorous, or is this just a new idea you're exploring? Well, I. It depends on what you call polyamorous, because you know, I, I think when you had said something earlier, like you think you should date. You could be in like five different relationships and nobody knows. No, I don't mean that. I mean like a relationship with multiple people where everybody knows about each other. Oh, uh, no, I, I've never, I've never, it, it, it's a fantasy. No. Okay. No. I have been the recipient of a polyamorous woman. That's right. You have. <laughs> yes. And she said she talked it over with her man and blah, blah, blah. And the more I was talking with her and everything, it got to seem like she was trying to segue into making me the monogamy guy, which I've heard is a common critique of some of those relationships. However, it didn't end up being me. It ended up being some other dude after that or whatever, because there was a distance component. But I will say this. She, it was some of the best sex I've ever had for a long time. So I think, you know, to have somebody that wants polyamory, if they're auditioning to make it monogamy, it could be some fucking mind-blowing sex because they're trying to make you the guy. So I would encourage you, Jack. Jack, I think you need to, you know, find somebody that uh, (laughs) wants to. But that's different because isn't that technically an open relationship? And not because polyamory is like when everybody's in on it together, like an open relationship that doesn't count as polyamory, yeah, right? Maybe it probably was just open. She said she spoke to him about right. doing this or whatever, but I never met the dude. I mean, I right. who was I seen him online and all that, and I was like, oh yeah, this motherfucker ain't got nothing on me. No. <laughs> but I was, <laughs> but I was like, hey, you know, I. It, we're not going to do no contract waiver between me and him. Like, Oh yeah, you cooled it, bro. Yeah. No, uh, uh, nah. But she said it was all right with him. So I don't know, but I guess that's just open. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Polyamory is like, everyone's hanging out together. I remember once I was in New York 
and I was on the subway and I saw this dude between two girls and the three of them were just riding. It was like casual riding the subway, but he would like turn and make out with one, like kiss one a little bit, have his hand on the other. And then he'd turn and like make out with the other and the other one was cool with it. That's polyamory. I was like, I would, I could never handle that. But for some people, they looked happy. So for some people, it definitely works. Mm, mm. I, I've been in, uh, I was at a cookout, I think uh, a couple of days ago. And um, someone, uh, th this girl, she had asked this guy, like, why are you so quiet over there? And whatnot? what what type of women are you into? And he, he, he did say some mysterious shit like you had just talked about earlier. And he said, hey, well, I'm into polygamy. And all the women this got captivated and they their faces switched up and they they were in great relationships but they were so interested to see what this polygamous situation could possibly be because deep down uh I, as i talked to one of the other uh the women that was in there she was kind of was open to being but not with the person that she was currently with at the barbecue with and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Wow. I don't know what to make of Human that. sexuality has a lot of layers. Yeah. A lot of layers in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, it, it, I left that conversation even more confused because like Pete says, people are so complex. Mm -hmm. They want certain things with you, but they don't want it with anybody else and whatnot. So um, I can do this, but you can't do that. And I, I'm even that way too, because like even with with my probably amorous fantasy, I don't want any of the other women sleeping with any other men and whatnot. And if you're gonna if you're gonna sleep with, I, but I am cool with you being in a relationship with another woman that's not in our house, but not another man. And whatnot, and I'm thinking to myself, is that fair? To and oh, is it not fair? Damn, it's just so infinite. What do you do? <laughs> Life is so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> you could be here for the show. I mean, there used to be this place we would do a mic at called the Potomac Grill out in Rockville, Maryland. And before the mic started, there was this meetup group for BDSM swingers. BDSM. And, yeah, and one of the rules of the mic was you weren't allowed to make a comment about it because they'd still be like finishing up when the mic started, you know, conversating. But when I tell you these motherfuckers look like the squarest, nickel rich, just moved to the exurbs type of like moderate denomination church group or some shit like i'm telling you you would have never picked them out and said like sexual deviants <laughs> wow. but the, I, they kept the you know visage of just normal waspy but not all waspy because there was a mix of like indian black uh i think there might have been one like Hispanic guy, whatever, mostly white, but still, I was just sitting there, like looking at these guys, floored um, how they could fit that mold. But there they were. And, we and I've uh, um, covered a couple of Exotica events. You know, there's like the you heard of Exotica, right? 
Mm-hmm. And it is the porn conventions. Um, and every time I've ever went there, it was always, like I just said, a group of weirdo guys and it's weirdo women and whatnot. And I was like, hold on. So this is the type of people that really are into this shit. I was the same way. And the people that, that the really beautiful people in the world and that we would fantasize about being inside these relationships, they actually got sense enough not to, to do this. What a what a crock. <laughs> TV has been selling me some bullshit all my life that weirdos are the freaks. Mm-hmm. And people that are, are, are quote unquote who you really want, they're they're scared to act on their freakiness. And they probably never do that. Or they don't go to exotica. Well, I've also heard a lot of theories about, like, the hotter the person, the less hard they work at fucking, so they're actually not as good at sex because they don't have to be. Yeah. You know? That, I, that's a very common theory. That's yeah, there was a comic. I don't, I don't know who it was, but it was sampled on a two-live crew song called Ugly as Fuck back when, and, and it was a guy going, ugly chicks can screw. They got them. They ain't got nothing else going for their ass or something like that. Red Fox? I might, no, it wasn't Red. It was somebody else. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's a little more modern, but I don't know. I don't, but maybe it was. I, but I don't think that voice was that distinct. But, yeah, yeah, I believe that. I, 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 um, I, I definitely I subscribe to that. I subscribe to that. <laughs> Well, on that note, we want to thank Jack for coming on and talking to us today. This has been really awesome. Uh, please tell the people where they can find you, what you got coming up. Um, well, I, I go back on tour with Martin on 2021. You can find me at Jack Thriller on Instagram, at uh, Young Jack Thriller on Twitter, Young on Facebook. I ain't been on my Facebook in a minute, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to... Um, Re, we rebrand and get that Facebook running back up and uh, jackwiller.com uh, doing a relaunch on that. Um, and pizza pusher, the, 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 uh, the whole weed community is about to, about that. I think they're about to definitely, uh, uh, uh pass the laws. Where it's so we're going to be in a, a city near you, a state of uh, taking an international. We actually in LA next month, I'm delivering Snoop Dogg some pizza. I, and when uh, uh, when I do come to uh, to uh, uh, Firehouse to do my show, we're bringing the pizza there. Hey, nice. we we we're gonna bring the pizza there and whatnot. We're gonna make sure that audience is laughing their ass off at the same time. So you follow me. I guys, uh, this was a very fun podcast, man, and uh, I definitely grew from it. Oh, thank you so much for doing it, Jack. It was so fun. Awesome. Thank you. Well, let us know when you're in town. We'll definitely be there. Yeah. And I, I um uh, I can't wait to get back to DC. Uh, it's one of my new uh, favorite homes. That's why I even get my retro Jordans from uh, All American Soul. If you're looking for some good weed too, All American, um, All American, look them up. Uh, 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 the club knows exactly. How, um, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna be doing a lot in DC. So yeah, I, I'll see you guys soon. Sounds great, brother. Awesome. Y'all be good. All right. Bye, everybody.